Okay, good morning, good morning, good morning. I'm trying to say, I think, you, can you help me with this the Instagram? I think it's on the other side over here. I'm not sure that that's going. Looks like it's frozen on that side. Um, it's a picture. Oh, okay. Uh, let me try this. Just call it, hold on. Okay. Hey guys. Okay, good morning everybody. Let's try this one more time. Um, having a little trouble with the uh, Instagram page, but I think it's up now. Welcome to Fellowship of Champions Church International, a church teaching you how to walk in love, live by faith, so that you may experience the prosperity of God in every area of your life. Uh, we have just a couple of minutes. I'm going to give it one or two minutes for people to switch over. Hopefully you are coming uh, live to us from Kristen Valley Worships. Hopefully you was joining her this morning. Um, you know, she was singing that song, Praise, Praise is What We Do. And I hope that you are spending some time praising God for all that he is in your life this morning. Uh, listen, let's do a couple of things before we get started. Um, you know, when we come into the broadcast, uh, this is week 21, so you, you're no stranger to this unless you're a first-time visitor. Let's do some social media outreach real quick. I need each of you to take just a moment as you have come in. Go ahead and click share on that button at the bottom. Share this broadcast to your page. Share it to any groups that you are allowed to share it to. Uh, I know sometimes people don't like to invite people to church, but this is the easiest way to ever do it. All you got to do is click share on your uh, page right there. It'll go out to all of your friends and their family and they can share and you can get multiplied. And if you believe that this word of God is changing your life, then that should be an easy task for you to do. So we got about looks like 35 people on right now. If 35 people share it, that can go to 70. If those 70 share can get to 140, I'm telling you, then that can get to 280. It can just multiply quickly, quickly, quickly. So go ahead and hit share. And then as you come in the room, let's get our energy up. Go ahead and click on the hearts and the likes. Uh, not for me, but because we love God. Amen. So go ahead and click on those hearts. Give about a dozen hearts, about a dozen likes. Let's get the energy up in the room. And those of you that are coming in, whether you're on Instagram, whether you're on Facebook, whether you're over here on YouTube or over here on Periscope, whatever you're doing, go ahead and say hello to the people who are watching on the same platform that you are watching on. Say hello to them. Say, what's up, FOC? How you doing, fam? Uh, just greet everybody who's coming in. Again, go ahead and share that. Share, share, share on every platform you got. Uh, to, I'm excited about the word of God today. It's going to be uh, good because I believe God wants to say some things to us that are going to be both encouraging and inspiring. Amen. And so you don't want your friends and family to miss out on this. Uh, you know, the other thing we do is we, we tag where we're watching from. Uh, let me just go ahead and say this, say hello to all of the, I just saw a couple of them come on, uh, to our friends across the pond. It is 4.03 p.m. in London, uh, and they are watching us this morning. So God bless you guys. We thank you for coming every week and watching with us. I know it's the evening where you are. Uh, it's morning time here, uh, but praise God for technology that we can reach across the pond and you can share that with other people across there. So you hit the share button as well. And we thank God for you being here uh, this morning. 
Uh, also, if you are a first-time visitor, if you're a first-time visitor, make sure that you uh, let us know in one of our admins or just some of the people on the platform that you're watching. They'll make sure that they greet you and, and, and share with you uh, how much we love and enjoy you. My name is Pastor Edwin Strickland. If you didn't know that, I pastor Fellowship of Champions Church along with my beautiful wife, Pastor Sean Strickland. Uh, she'll be here with you next week. Uh, and I'm telling you, you're going to absolutely, if you've not heard her, you're going to enjoy her. If you have heard her, you know that I'm telling the truth, uh, but she's going to bless you uh, on next week. Uh, this week, I'm going to finish up a series that I've been teaching uh, probably for like the last 10 weeks in uh, and, and, and no better way to end it than talking about how to receive our harvest, how to have faith to receive our harvest. As you know, every week we have multiple opportunities uh, for you to be involved uh, in the ministry. We know that it is uh, a time in which lots of people still are not gathering. And that's a good thing because they really shouldn't be at this point. Our numbers uh, of community, uh, you know, uh, with the community spread is way too high. Uh, and so uh, those of you that are staying safe, wearing your mask when you have to go out, that's good. But we want to let you know that you can still be connected. Uh, there are multiple ways to do that, and I believe Pastor Sean will come at the end and do that. I won't take up my time this morning doing that because I know within an hour uh, we'll have to restart Instagram. So I want to get into the word this morning. So uh, as you know, the last several weeks we have been uh, discussing uh, this whole idea about how God wants to prosper us. This all started because the Lord gave us uh, a word back in November, December of 2019, that 2020 was going to be a great year of harvest. It was going to be a great year of harvest. Uh, and it is a great year of harvest and it's going to be a great year of harvest. And so one of the things that we talked about earlier in January when we were still meeting together and everything is this idea that if we're going to receive our harvest, it was going to take alignment and agreement so that God could advance us. Alignment and agreement so that God could advance us. And so we started off several weeks ago. Uh, we talked for a couple of weeks uh, on a message entitled God's System of Promotion. And we talked about how the, the, the kingdom of God uh, has a system. And when you operate within that system, um, there is promotion that has already been purposed for your life. Uh, but if you work outside of that system, uh, then in many ways you forfeit, at least within the kingdom, uh, the promotion uh, that's available to you. And then we start talking about how do we then position ourselves to be led by God? Because we understand that we have an adversary and that that adversary wants to lead us down a different path. And so we had to begin to uh, to learn how to position ourselves to be learned, to be led by God. And then we spent three weeks talking about being a cheerful giver. Uh, and we know that giving is one of the keys uh, that is a part of God's system of promotion uh, that causes one to increase exponentially uh, at a level beyond anything we can think or imagine. And so we spent three weeks uh, getting into all of the details. And I won't spend time doing that this morning, but all of the details of what it takes to be a chill forgiver. How do we get our hearts right? How do we get our minds right? And so if you have not heard those teachings, I encourage you to go listen to those teachings. And then we spent a week talking about the principles that govern sowing. The principles that govern sowing. We're going to come back and spend a little time today reviewing those uh, principles, but then we're going to get into the meat of the matter. 
And the meat of the matter and what I'm going to end this series with is helping you to understand the seven laws, the seven laws uh, that you need to understand uh, are in place that cover sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping. It's not enough just to be a sower. Uh, you also need to understand how to be a reaper. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. That's what we're going to get into. Uh, hopefully I won't be before you very long. Pashana come and she'll pray and do some things at the end. But as we get ready this morning, let's just, let's just pray and then let's get into the word of God. Father God, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to share your word. We thank you this morning for every person who was on the broadcast this morning. We thank you for all the people who are watching via YouTube, those who are watching via Twitch, those who are watching via Periscope, whether it be Facebook or Instagram. Lord, whatever platform they are watching on this morning, we ask that you would allow their minds and their hearts to be open to receive the things that you have for them so that everything that you have purposed in their life can come to pass and be fulfilled. Father, we thank you in advance that they want to partner with you. We thank you in advance that they want to be in agreement with you. We thank you in advance that they want to do it your way and they forfeit any opportunities to go in a different direction other than what you have established for them. And so, Father, we thank you for this. In your son Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. All right, let's get into the word of God this morning. Last week, we established several key points that I would love to remind us about as we move into today's teaching. Uh, there were six key points that we discussed last week, and I just want to run through them real quick uh, for those who may not have been here or even for those who were, uh, but you need a quick little recap so that it establishes what we're going to talk about um, as we go out throughout today's message. So point number one that we discussed last week, we said that God is looking for someone in the earth that he can show his goodness towards. God is looking for someone in the earth that he can show his goodness towards. In other words, God's looking for someone he can be good to. He's not just doing it on a, on a random basis. It's every single day. God is looking for somebody that he can be good to. We established this with two scriptures. The first was 2 Corinthians, 2 Chronicles 6, 16 and 9. 2 Chronicles 16 and 9, and when it says, For the eyes of the Lord, they run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. And then in Psalms 84 and 11, when it said, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. He is both a, 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 a giver of light and a protector uh, at the same time. And it says, The Lord will give grace and glory to us, and that no good thing would he will hold from them that walk upright. So we established last week that God is looking to be good to somebody. Amen. You can go ahead and type that in your comment section. Say, God is looking to be good to me. God is looking to be good to me. Someone says, Pastor, why do you always have us to type that? Because you need to be hearing this. It needs to get into your ear gate. It needs to get into your eye gate. God is looking for someone he can be good to. And if God is looking for someone that he can be good to, it might as well be you. Amen. And then the second thing we established, <clears throat> we said that the will of God for your life does not come to pass automatically. The will of God for your life does not come to pass automatically. And I know that people go to conferences and they go to events and they have people prophesy over them about what God wants to do for them, what God wants to do in them and through them and over them. And all of that can be true, but it does not come to pass automatically. 
uh, and we spent some time establishing that, uh, the fact that God does want good things to happen and that God has a will for our life. We looked at 3 John 2 when it said, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou wouldest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. So that tells us uh, that, that, that there is a, a commandment or a will from, from the Lord that we prosper, that we do well. He wants that for us. And then in Jeremiah 29 and 11, we read where it says, for I know the thoughts uh, that I think toward you, saith the Lord. They are thoughts of peace and not of evil, but to give you a future and a hope. So we established last week that yes, we have a destiny. We have a future. We have an outcome that is good. We have one that is well-pleasing, but just because God wants that for us does not mean that it automatically comes to pass. We must partner with God. Go ahead and type that in your comment section. Say, I must <clears throat> partner with God. I must partner with God. <clears throat> and then we read in 1 John 5, 14 and 15 that we, that, that we have a responsibility to partner with God because in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, we read where it says this, and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask according to his will, he hears us. So notice this, you and I have a part to play and the part that we play is the asking part. We must ask and then we must ask it according to his will. It was interesting because I said this last week and I got several uh, little reactions, emojis of like shock, but I was saying to someone that, you know, you can't be a single person, right? Uh, and, 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 and be uh, desiring uh, another person to be in a relationship with you when that person is married. That, that's not the will of God. The will of God is not for you to destroy some relationship so that you can have a relationship. Uh, and so you, you have to ask, but it must be according to the will of God. You must ask according to God's will. That is the reason it is so important for you to spend time in the word of God it is important for you to spend time in the presence of God, in front of his word and in his presence, because that's how his will is revealed. And once his will is revealed, then the Bible says, here is your confidence that once you know what the will of God is for your life concerning you, you can ask him and you know that if you ask him according to his will, then he hears you. Verse 15 says, and if we know that he hears us, then whatsoever we ask, we also know that we have, now we're going to get that we have, that is present tense, the petitions that we desire of him. In other words, it says, once you know the will of God for your life, then you can get into uh, all of the components of being in faith. And last week, I called them the ABCs of faith, which is the asking component of uh, the believing component, the confessing component. And then I, I talked about D and E last week. I said, you got to demonstrate. The Bible says faith without works is dead. There needs to be a demonstration of your faith. And then E, an expectation of your faith. So A, B, C, D, E's of faith says that when I know the will of God for my life, I can be in a position where I can go to God in confidence, watch this, knowing that because I know the will of God for my life, because he's revealed it to me, then I am able to now ask, I can believe, I can confess, I can demonstrate, and then I can expect. 
what I have asked of him to come to pass because his word says that once I know his will and I ask him for it, I have confidence to know that he hears me. And if I have confidence to know that he hears me, then I also have confidence to know that when he hears me, he already has granted my petition. Praise God. So the will of God does not come to pass automatic. I must partner with God. Go ahead and say that again. I must partner with God. I must partner with God. The Bible says in Matthew 6 and 10 in the New Living Translation, it says, we pray like this, may your will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. Well, why are we praying that his will be done in the earth as it already is in heaven? Because it's the asking component. It's how we partner with God. It's how we get done what it is in the earth that God has already done in the heavens. Amen. And then our third point uh, from last week, we said the kingdom of God is established based on certain promises that God has already made. The kingdom of God is established based on certain promises. The kingdom of God, hear me, is established based on certain promises. The Bible says in 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4, it says, according as his divine power has given us unto all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that, that has called us to glory and virtue. And then watch this. It says, whereby you and I, we have been given unto exceeding great and precious promises. One of the best gifts God gave us outside of Jesus Christ himself was all the promises that come with being a believer. Go ahead and type that in the comment section, whatever platform you're on, Periscope, YouTube, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, whatever you're on, go ahead and say that. Just say, I have been given great promises. I have been given great promises. And listen, you've been given great promises, not just by a friend or family member. You've been given great promises by someone who the Bible says he is not a man that he should lie, nor is he a man that he should repent for anything. If God said it, it shall surely come to pass. It shall surely come come to pass. And so if it shall surely come to pass, that means that whatever promises I have received, I am going to get to see them. And the Bible says it like this. It says all of the promises of God are received, how? By faith or through faith. So God makes these promises and the only way to obtain them is through faith. So I got to understand what faith is and how it works. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Listen, all the promises of God are received by faith. God needs someone in the earth to partner with him. He needs someone in the earth to partner with him so that he can get to you what has already been established in heaven. I said last week, we read it over in Ezekiel. We don't have to read it today, but we read it over in Ezekiel. Well, the Lord was looking for somebody to stand in the gap. He says, I sought for a man. He said, I saw for a man who was standing the gap so that I could stop the destruction that was coming up on the people. He says, I looked around, but I couldn't find anybody to partner with. And so therefore I did not or could not or would not stop the destruction. 
I am telling you, God is looking for someone in this earth or someone on this broadcast who is willing to say, you know what? I'm going to partner with God. And as a result of partnering with God, I'm going to stop destruction and calamity from coming to not only my house, but to those who are connected to me. I'm telling you, God is looking for somebody to partner with. The same thing happened uh, when we read over in 2 Chronicles 20 about Jehoshaphat. The Bible says that they were getting ready to go into a great war and, and God began to speak to Jehoshaphat about partnering with him. And basically what he said to Jehoshaphat is you partner with me, you won't even have need to fight in this battle. Can I preach to you this morning and just simply tell you that if you'll stop trying to do everything yourself in your way and you begin to partner with God, there are some battles you think you're going to have to fight that you're not even going to have to raise a finger. God's going to defeat your enemies for you. He's going to turn things around for you, going to do a complete 180 for you. Why? Because when you partner with God, you put the best weapon you got in the world on your side. God says, all I need you to do is to partner with me. Amen. And so the kingdom of God comes with promises and there are lots of promises, but you got to connect with God in order for those promises to come to pass. Why? Because the will of God doesn't come to pass in your life just automatically. And then the fourth thing we established last week, we said it is the will of God for all of his children to be blessed beyond measure. Go ahead and type in the comment section. Say, it is the will of God for me to be blessed. It is the will of God for me to be blessed. Listen, I don't make any apologies. I, I'm not ashamed of it. I don't back up off of it. I, I don't try to downplay it. I am blessed. You hear me? I am blessed. It is the will of God for his children to be blessed. It is the same thing that's true for most human fathers. If you are a good father, you want to see your children well. You want to see them healthy. You want to see them prospering. You want to see them doing good. Well, no, there's no difference than the father's love for us and our love for, for our children. Uh, in fact, the, the, the difference is, there is a difference. His love for us is greater. Amen? His love for us is greater. But it's a love that says, I want to see them do well. And so it is the will of God for his children to be blessed. And we don't have to be ashamed of it. We don't have to back off of it. Listen, we don't have to act like it's not true. You go ahead and type it. If you haven't typed it already, say, I am blessed. I am blessed. You need to declare that this morning. And so last week we established through the reading of several scriptures about how God wants us blessed. I won't read them all, uh, but Isaiah 48 and 17, Proverbs 10 and 22, Job 36 and 11, uh, which I love because it says, if they shall obey and serve, then their days shall be spent in prosperity and their years in pleasure. Listen, what I'm preaching, I am preaching with the understanding that you are going to obey God. What I'm preaching to you doesn't just come to pass because I'm preaching it. I, I hope I'm talking to some mature people who understand that obeying God ought to be your number one priority. You being in agreement with God ought to be your number one priority. I don't know what it is, but I've encountered so many people lately who got this idea that because they seem to think something different than what the Bible says, that it's okay because they think about it differently. Listen, you got to have a heart that says, I love what God loves and I hate what God hates. 
Even if I'm doing something contrary to what the Bible says, I don't get to say the Bible is wrong. You know, I used to tell people all the time, you know, any, and I thank God for my Kojic upbringing, right? And I know I'm deviating just a little bit, but I thank God for my Kojic upbringing because they taught us that even if you are doing it, you don't get to say that it's right because you're doing it. It's wrong if you do it. It's wrong if your mama do it. It's wrong if your grandma do it. They used to say it like this. The Bible is right and everybody else is wrong. If you're not agreeing with the Bible, you are wrong. And what happens is the enemy wants to deceive you and convince you that it don't take all that. You don't have to be that serious about the word. Why? Because he doesn't want you to do Job 36 and 11. It says, if they shall obey and serve him, talking about God, it says, then their days shall be spent in prosperity and their years shall be spent in pleasure. He wants to rob you of prosperity. He wants to rob you of pleasure by getting you or convincing you to disobey God. And then we read Deuteronomy 8 and 18. You know that one says he gives us the power to get well. We read Psalms 115, 11 through 16, where he says he's going to bless us, but not just us. He's going to bless our children and our children's children. And then we read John 10 and 10. And in John 10 and 10, he says, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it to in abundance to the full until it overflows. So we established through about five or six different scriptures real quick that it is the will of God for us to be blessed. Amen. And then number five, the fifth thing we talked about last week is we said that when it comes to believing, it is a choice. You can choose to believe this or choose not to believe. Just I was just talking about this. You can choose to believe the word of God is right or you can believe to think your own thinking is right. The choice is totally up to you. But I'm going to say what they taught us in the Kojic church. The Bible is right and somebody is wrong. If you ain't agreeing with the Bible, you are wrong. And I'm going to say that whether you put up angry faces or not. Why? Because the Bible is true and you don't get to say, well, I, because I, 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 don't, I don't think gossiping is a big deal. So, so, so gossiping ain't wrong. No, if the Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong. And that's what everything that the word says. And until you fall in love with God and his word that way, the enemy's always going to have a small door in which he can enter in and try to deceive you. And so we said that believing is a choice. The Bible says in Mark 9, 23, that if you can believe it, all things are possible to you. That's not with just believing God. If you can believe a little deception, then all deception is possible to you. It's why the Bible says that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Or it says in another translation, a little yeast makes the whole cake rise. You got to be careful about what you're allowing into you because what you allow into you in one form doesn't stay there in that form. It grows and becomes. And that's whether it's good, meaning believing and trusting God, or if it's bad, disbelief and dishonoring God's word. So Mark 9, 23 tells us, if thou canst believe, then all things are possible to them that believe. Isaiah 53 asks the question. It says, whose message or whose report are you going to believe? And, and that's a question we have this morning. You know, we're in this pandemic, right? It's COVID-19 everywhere. Numbers are going up. Hospitalization rates are going up. The death rate is going up. Uh, we're getting ready to send kids back to school. They just reported last week uh, that there were over 97,000 children under the age of 18 who had tested positive for COVID. But God still says it's harvest time. 
So whose report are you going to believe? You're going to believe CNN, MSNBC? You're going to believe Fox? You're going to believe Bloomberg? Who are you going to, rep who, what, what news report are you going to believe? Whose report are you going to believe? Understand this. We talked about Thomas last week. And when we talked about Thomas, Thomas made a, a definitive statement. He said, unless I can take my finger and put my finger in the place where the nail prints was in the hands of Jesus. He says, unless I can take my hand and thrust it in his side where they, where they pierced him with his spear. He says, unless I can do that, unless I can touch it and feel it and see it for myself. He says, I will not believe. He made a choice. He says, I won't believe it. But the Bible says that eight days Days later, Jesus shows up. He walks through a wall because the doors were locked, the windows were locked. Jesus shows up in the midst of them, and Thomas is like, Oh my God, there it is. That really is Jesus. And Jesus says to him, Come on over here. I want you to touch where the nail prints have been. I want you to put your hand in my side. He said, And when you're doing it, he said, Understand, you're believing now because you could touch it, you could see it, you, 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 you could perceive it with your senses. He says, I need you to not be, watch this, he said, faithless. He says, Thomas, don't be faithless. I'm telling you this morning, stop being a person who always got to see something, who always got to touch it. You always need a word. You always need a sign. Whatever God says ought to be big enough to contain whatever he said. You don't need another sign. You don't need to see uh, a butterfly fly by three times. You don't need it uh, to rain in the middle of the week on a Wednesday because you asked for it too in order to believe God. All of these, all of these far out things we come up with for why we can believe God. We can believe God because he has never failed. We can believe God because he's never spoken a word that didn't come to pass. We can believe God because, because he, is, he, he, is, he is the Lord the Lord God of Sabaoth. We can believe him because everything he says is true. Amen? And so Thomas says, I, I, I won't believe. I just, I just won't believe it unless I can stick my fingers in the place where it's been. Some of you, you won't believe God until you got the job. You won't believe God until they say, okay, here is your, uh, your offer letter. But God told you it was your job before he told you to even apply for it. He said to you, this is your job, now apply for it. But you didn't even believe it until you could see it. And I'm begging you this morning, stop being faithless. It is harvest time. It is harvest time and your harvest is here. Don't be faithless. Don't wait till it shows up before you can praise God for it. Praise God for it now. Be full of faith now. Don't be a doubting Thomas. If you're going to be something, be like Abraham. We talked about Abraham last week and the Bible says in Romans 4, 20 and 21, it says that Abraham staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but he was strong in his faith the whole time giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was faithful to perform and to bring it to pass. Listen, Abraham understood what it meant to be an old man. He understood what it meant to have a wife who was far beyond child-bearing uh, ages. But the Bible says that when God made him a promise, the promise he made him was not just you were going to be a father. He says, but you're going to be the father of many nations. He said, how can I be a father of many nations when I don't even have a kid of my own? The Bible says, but once he, once he heard God's word, that was good enough for him. The Bible says... All that time, he staggered not 
at the promises of God. I want some of you to declare this morning. Go ahead and type this in the comment section. Say, I will not stagger at the promises of God. I will not stagger at the promises of God. The Bible says he didn't stagger. The Bible said he didn't waver. But the whole time he was giving glory to God. What does that mean? Even when it didn't show up. Even when he couldn't see it on a Monday. He couldn't see it on a Tuesday. He couldn't see it on a Wednesday. He couldn't see it in one month. He couldn't see it the next month. He couldn't see it one year. He couldn't see it the next year. The whole time it says he just kept giving glory to God. Why? Because when God makes a promise, it is done. It was already done. It may not have manifested yet, but it was already done, which brings us to the sixth thing we talked about last week, which was that, and this is what we finished last week. I said, breakthrough always comes before harvest shows up. Breakthrough always comes before harvest shows up. Hear me, breakthrough always comes before the harvest. Abraham had a breakthrough before he ever had uh, his son Isaac. He, he had, and in fact, he had a breakthrough before he ever had Ishmael. Why? Because he believed what God said. When you believe God, breakthrough happens. See, most people think breakthrough happens when manifestation comes, but breakthrough always precedes manifestation. And some of you haven't broken through your disbelief. Some of you haven't broken through your fear. Some of you haven't broken through your doubts, but if you would break through those things, then manifestation would come because breakthrough always comes before manifestation or harvest shows up. This is the reason why we can't live in the sense realm. It's the reason uh, Pastor Ralph was talking about this several weeks ago. You, you, you can't be a person who determines whether God is true or whether God is present, whether God is alive and active based on what you're able to uh, obtain through your five senses. The sense realm living, when it comes to operating in the kingdom of God and walking by faith, will always cause you to come up short. Sense realm living is a lower form of living. And if you operate in the kingdom of God by sense realm living, all you can ever have is the lower form of living. Well, Pastor, if that's the lower form of living, what's the higher form of living? Walking by faith. It's what the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 and 7. It says we must walk by faith and not by sight. We must be a people who understand that when God says something, it is good as done. I don't have to wait to see it. I don't have to wait to touch it. I ain't got to smell it. I ain't got to hear it. I ain't got to feel it. Listen, when, when, when it comes to my senses, my senses are good for living in the natural realm. You understand? But when it comes to the kingdom of God, I can throw my senses away. All I need is faith. Where does faith come? Faith begins where the will of God is known. This is why we find out what faith is when we study the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 11 and 1 says it like this. It says, now, that's present tense, faith is the assurance. It is the confirmation or it is our title deed of the things we hope for. Now, most of you know that a title deed, uh, when you get a deed to your car or a deed to your house, if you had to finance your car, you had to finance your house, uh, even though you have possession of the material, you live in the house, you drive the car, it's actually owned by somebody else. Your lien holder or your bank, whoever financed that uh, material possession for you, they are the ones who own it. But once you make that last payment, 
then what they do is they send you the title deed. And the title deed says now not only do you have possession of the material, but you actually are the legal and rightful owner of it. That means nobody can take it from you. Nobody can come and say you don't have it. Nobody can say it belongs to somebody else. And so it says your faith is your title deed. It is the title deed to the stuff God has promised. It says it is, it is our proof of the things that we do not yet see. It is our conviction of the reality that what God has promised actually belongs to us. The Amplified says it is faith perceiving as real fact what has not been, praise God, revealed to our senses. See, God says he's going to heal you, but you feel pain in your body. Your senses is feeling the pain, but God says he's going to heal you. Well, what does my faith do? My faith gives me ownership, praise God, of healing because God has already made the promise. It is my title deed. It is my confirmation of what things I'm hoping for. I'm feeling pain in my body. I'm hoping not to have the pain. My faith says you are without pain. Here is the title deed that guarantees that God, who is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God who heals, he's going to heal you. You understand? And here is your title deed that guarantees it is so. That's what faith is. It, it didn't operate by my senses. It didn't go by what I can see, what I can hear, what I can feel, what I can smell, what I can taste. It didn't operate by that. It goes by faith. It's why the Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 3, it says, now by faith, you and I understand that our world or the worlds are framed. So, so, so what happens is God gives us a word. And then what happens is that word that we believe in becomes to build our world. I'll go back to pain. I'm feeling pain in my body. I'm sick in my body. But I got a word that God has healed me. Not going to heal me, but God has already healed me. Why? Because remember, the confidence I have is this, that when I ask him for anything according to his will, he hears me, praise God. And if he hears me, then that means I have confidence to know that he answers me and that I have present tense, the petitions that I ask for. So if I got pain in my body and I say, God, I'm declaring your healing belongs to me now in Jesus name. I know that it's his will to heal me because I read it in his word. And so because his will is to heal me, I have confidence that when I ask, it is done. And because I know it's done, now faith begins to build a world for me in which pain does not exist. I wish I had somebody out there who would just preach with me this morning. I wish I had somebody out there this morning who say, yes, pastor, that's me. I, I, I know that when I pray, I believe, I receive, and I give glory to God when I pray. Praise God. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 3, by faith, we understand that the worlds during the successive ages, <clears throat> they were framed, they were fashioned and put in order. They were equipped for their intended purpose by the word of God. Understand healing begins to operate and do its intended purpose by the word of God. It says, so that what we see was not made out of things which were visible. Understand, sense realm evidence has to be pushed out when it comes to operating in the kingdom of God. And then we see in Hebrews 11 and 6 where it says, but without faith, 
It is impossible to please God and to be satisfactory to God. For whoever would come near to God must necessarily believe. We must believe that God exists and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Go ahead and type in the comment section. Say, I believe God is a rewarder. Say, I believe that God is a rewarder. Say, I believe that God is a rewarder. You got to believe that. And you may not be able to sense that with your senses. That's why you got to know it through faith that God is a rewarder. Why? Because it may seem like times that God is, is absent. It may seem like time that God's not listening. It may seem like times that God is not present. But you got to know that the word of God says that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. You got to know that God is not a man that he shall lie, nor the son of man that he should repent for anything. If God has said it, it shall surely come to pass. So I don't care what it feels like. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what I'm hearing. What I know is that in the kingdom of God, since realm living is a lower form of living and that I must be committed to living by faith. So how do I be committed to living by faith? What does living by faith even look like? Well, we've taught this before, and so I'm going to say it again this morning real quick. There are four key elements that you need if you are going to live by faith. There are four key elements that you need if you are going to live by faith. Number one, you need a revelation. Somebody say, well, Pastor Edwin, what is a revelation? A revelation is an illumination. It is an eye-opening experience that gives you information and insight to something that you didn't have before. Revelation uh, is, is like walking into a dark room that's pitch dark and turning the light on. Now, everything you couldn't see when the lights were off, you can see clearly. It allows you to navigate without destruction. So you need revelation. You need, you need a word of knowledge from the Lord. Uh, well, what does that mean? It's why we say faith begins where the will of God is known. A revelation gives you an insight and understanding to what God wants for your life, to what God wants for the world that you're involved in. So number one, if you're going to walk in faith, you need a revelation. Number two, you need a role model. You need a role model. Role models come in all shapes, sizes, and forms. My spiritual parents are role models for me. My wife is a role model for me. Some of the men in my life who I'm really close to are role models for me. What is a role model? It is somebody that you can look up to, somebody you can pattern your life after, someone you can follow after. The Bible says that we are to follow after those who have obtained the promise. It says we are to follow after them in faith. And so there are lots of people in my life who are role models. The people in the Bible are role models for me. Uh, Dr. Ivy Hilliard is a role model for me. Pastor Dollar, Bill Winston, uh, Pastor David uh, Oyedipo, all of those people who teach. And when they teach, uh, the only way I can describe it is the spirit on the inside of me, it leaps up. It gets excited. I get full of faith because of what they teach. You need a role model. Listen, if your role model is only secular people who don't uh, care about the things of God, that's what you're going to end up becoming. Why? Because your environment is always working on you. Am I telling you don't watch TV? Am I telling you don't watch a movie? I'm telling you don't listen to a song? No, what I'm telling you is that they can't be your role models. They can't be the people you're patterning your life after unless you want their life. 
And what happens is people in the kingdom, they get all of these role models who don't pattern their lives after the kingdom of God. They follow after them and then they wonder why they're frustrated. They're frustrated because they don't live a life after the person uh, that they say they love, which is Jesus Christ, because they're patterning themselves after other things. So number one, you need a revelation. You're going to walk in faith. Number two, you need a role model. Number three, one of the most important things you need is a regiment of faith. You need a regiment of faith. What is a regiment of faith? It is a systematic way in which you keep your faith going. In other words, you need to have a system. What is the system? I wake up in the morning, I make confessions. What is my system? I wake up in the morning, I pray and I speak to the Lord. I spend time communing with him. You need to you need, you need time to read your Bible. It doesn't need to be an afterthought like, oh, I need to, I'm, I'm sleepy. Let me read my Bible so I can go to sleep. No, no, no. You need a regiment of faith. You need a systematic way in which to to develop and grow your faith. The Bible says that we were all given a measure, understand this, a measure of faith. But just like we were all given a measure of faith, we've all been given abs, amen? But how many of you know all of our abs don't look the same? All of our abs don't show up the same. Why? Because we haven't done what's necessary to develop them or show them in a certain manner. So yes, we all have faith. The question is, have you spent time developing it? You need a regiment of faith. If you want to have abs and you currently got a, got, if you want to have a six pack and you currently got a keg, listen, you're going to have to have a regiment of exercise to turn that keg into a six pack. It's not going to happen just because you wanted to. Well, the same thing is true. You're not going to become a person of faith just because you want to be a person of faith. I tell people all the time, just because you go to a faith church, people are like, well, I go to Word of Faith or I go to I go to so-and-so faith church. Listen, just because you go to a faith church doesn't make you a faith person. It would be like saying just because you stand in the garage, it makes you a car. You can go out in your garage, you're still going to be human. You're not going to be a car. So just because you go to a church and they may actually teach faith at your church, that does not make you a faith, a faith person. You need a regimen of faith so you can systematically develop your faith. Amen? So you need a revelation. You need a role model. You need a regimen of faith. And then number four, you need a righteous resolve. In other words, you need something on the inside of you that says, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to cave in. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to see everything that God promised. If you have those four elements working in your life, I am telling you, there is nothing that can be denied to you that God has promised to you according to his will. Those are the four elements that you need if you're going to walk in faith. You need a revelation, a role model, a regimen of faith, and a righteous resolve. And then if you do that, then you get to the place where now you can be in full faith. And once you are in faith, now you have what's called expectancy. You have this thing called expectancy. People who are in faith have a posture of expectancy. In other words, they're not just waiting around hoping something good is going to happen. They have an expectation for whatever thing God has said to come to pass because they know they are in faith for it. And so let me give you these five uh, faith expectations. There are five faith expectations. Whenever you are in faith, whenever you are in faith, there are five faith expectations. Let me give them to you. Number one, if you are in faith, here's something you can expect from God. Number one, a plan of action. 
You can expect a plan of action. God will always give his people a plan of action. We saw this with Jehoshaphat. We see this many, many times in the Bible. We see it uh, when, 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 he, when he told the man uh, to, to go wash uh, in, the, in that dirty Jordan River so that, so that, so that he wouldn't, uh, wouldn't have the disease anymore. You, you understand God always gives us a plan of action. So what is a plan of action? A plan of action uh, is, is, is a God-given plan of actionable steps downloaded from heaven designed to get you to your intended goal and outcome. See, many people just come up with a plan of action. They read some self-help books. They hear what their friend did. They see what some family member did. And they think that's the plan. No, when you are in faith, God will give you a plan of action. He will give you something specifically to do. He will tell you something that may not make sense to anybody else or even to you, but it will be downloaded from heaven. It won't be something that's just been regurgitated a hundred times and everybody's tried it. God will give you a specific plan of actionable steps. In other words, that means you got to do something. You're going to have to do something. When you're in faith, you're going to have to do something because faith without works is dead. So number one, the expectation is you can get, you have a plan of action. Number two, you can expect the wisdom of God. You can expect the wisdom of God. Well, what is the wisdom of God? It is the revel, it is revelation knowledge designed to give you the supernatural advantage where insight and understanding is concerned. That's what God did with Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat is getting ready to face his army. He says to him, you're not going to have to fight in this battle. He says, I want you to send Judah first. Now, now that was the plan. Now, most people would know that don't sound like a smart plan. You're getting ready to go fight against several armies and you want me to send the praise team? But that was God's plan of action. And, and, and here's the wisdom in it. God understood what sending the praise team was going to do. He understood that when they heard the music, that it was going to confuse them and cause them to fight each other. And so when you are in faith, one of the expectations you have is that God will give you wisdom. He will give you information and revelation that has not been revealed to your senses. So when you are in faith, you can expect a plan of action. And number two, you can expect the wisdom of God. Number three, you can expect the favor of God. You can expect the favor of God. What is the favor of God? It is his unearned and undeserved kindness. It is also his willingness to get involved in our affairs and to show us unprecedented preferential treatment. Did you hear me? Unprecedented preferential treatment. That's what the favor of God does. And when I'm in faith, I can have an expectation that the favor of God will show up on my behalf. And then number four, the fourth expectation I can have, I can't predict it, but I can always be an expectation of it. And that is a miracle. What is a miracle? A miracle is a surprising and welcoming event that is not explicable by nature or scientific laws, meaning it cannot be accounted for or understood. It's like when they had to pay their taxes and Jesus said to the, to the man, he said, hey, take the fishing pole and go fishing. He said, the first fish you catch, it's going to be enough money in that fish's mouth that you're going to be able to take out the money. You're going to be able to pay my taxes 
and yours. He says, go handle that. Now, most people would think, well, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But he was, he was in faith because he heard the word of God. He had a plan of action. He had the wisdom of God. He understood the favor of God was going to be on it because he was obeying God. And then he was in expectation of a miracle because he knew that naturally fish didn't swim around with money in their mouth. And so you have to understand, you may not be able to predict a miracle, but you can always be in expectation for one. And then number five, your fifth expectation when you are in faith is that you will have strength to endure until change come. Simply put, we don't give up. We don't cave in, we don't quit, and we don't back down off of whatever God has said. Amen? We do not back down off of whatever God has said. Now, I said earlier that breakthrough always comes before manifestation. I have just a few minutes left, and I want to show you this, and then I want to go through with you uh, these seven laws. It won't take but a moment, and then, and, then, and then we'll be finished. But I want you to understand breakthrough comes before manifestation. Go ahead and type that real quick. Type it real quick. I know some of you are just listening. That's fine. You may be doing something else, but take a break and type this. Breakthrough always comes before manifestation. Breakthrough always comes before manifestation. Whether you're on Periscope, whether you're over here on YouTube or Twitch, whether you're on IG or Facebook, I want you to type that in there. Breakthrough always comes before manifestation. And then I want us to look at something in 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 9 through 18. And I want, I'm not going to read it verse by verse, but what I am going to do is I'm going to tell you what happened. So in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 9 through 18, there are two people in this story, Hannah and, and Eli. And, and the Bible tells us that, uh, that Hannah had came to Shiloh. And Hannah had came to Shiloh, and while she was at Shiloh, uh, she was at the temple. And while she was at the temple praying, uh, the priest, whose name was Eli, was, was basically sitting in his customary spot uh, in the tabernacle. And the Bible says that Hannah, uh, with deep anguish, one translation says, she began to cry out to the Lord. She began to cry out to God because she was so distressed because she had not had a son. And she was literally begging God to give her a son. The Bible says that uh, when Eli looked over and saw her, he thought she had he thought she had been drinking because he could see her mouth moving, but he couldn't hear any words. And so the Bible says that Eli went to her and he said to her, basically, you know, what manner is this? Have you been drinking? Uh, he says, how long are you going to continue to be in this temple and be drunk? And the Bible says that Hannah said, oh, no, you know, that, that's not the case at all. I am here because I am pouring my heart out to God. I am crying in anguish and great despair because I want a son. She says, in fact, I told the Lord that if he would just give me a son, I would dedicate him back to him. And then I would make sure that no razor ever touched his head. He would be so dedicated if he would just give me a son. She was just begging and crying. But watch this. The Bible says something amazing that is a principle that I think we can take and use for our life. Somewhere uh, around verse 13, 14, 15, it says this. It says, uh, Eli says to her, in that case, he says, go in peace. He says, and may the God of Israel grant you the request 
that you have asked of him. Now notice, don't miss this, don't miss this. She's in the temple. She is crying out to God to give her a son. She is begging God to give her a son. She's making concessions. She said, I'll dedicate him back to you. She said, a razor will never touch his head. I promise to honor and obey you in all things if you'll just give me a son. The priest comes by who is, happens to be her man of God. Now, let me just parenthetically insert this for you real quick. It says, believe in God and you shall be established. Come on, somebody. But believe in his, pro in his prophet and you shall what? Prosper. So her man of God comes to her and her man of God, all he says is, oh, is that what it is you're over here doing? He says, well, then look, go in peace. He says, and may the God of Israel grant you the request that you have asked for. And the Bible says at that moment, praise God, her countenance changed. At that moment, her countenance changed. Now, she didn't get pregnant then. She didn't have a baby then. She, 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 she didn't have, there was, there was nothing different prior to Eli speaking and after Eli speaking except what she believed. Her breakthrough came in believing what her man or God said. I am telling you as your man of God, it is your season for breakthrough. Will your countenance change? Will your heart change? Will you stop being sad about what you see? Will you stop being depressed about what you hear? The Bible says she was crying out to God and her man of God said, go in peace. In other words, stop all this crying, get up and go in peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. And may the God of Israel grant you your request. And the Bible says the very next verse, her countenance changed. Now, why did her countenance change? Because she believed God. The Bible says if you believe God, then you get established in a thing. But if you'll believe the prophet, now you're going to prosper. And if you begin to read that scripture, you begin to read the rest of that chapter, you find out she well did indeed conceive a son. She conceived a son, but she didn't just conceive it when she went back and was with her husband. No, she conceived a son when the man of God said to her, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you your request. If I am your man of God, hear me this morning. I am telling you, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant you every request that you have beseeched him for. I want you to hear me. It's harvest time. It is time for you to be on top. It's time for you to stop being on bottom. It's time for you to start obeying God and disobey and disobeying God. It's time for you to start walking in love and doing all of the things that are necessary in order for you to reap your harvest. It is harvest time. Why? Because breakthrough always precedes manifestation. So, come on, write down in the comment section and say, it is my breakthrough time. Today is your breakthrough time. You may not see the new house today. You may not see the new car. You may not see the healing. You may not see the job, but I'm telling you today can be your breakthrough day. Today can be the day that your countenance changed. Today can be the day that you start believing God enough that the very thing that God has promised for you now has access, a gateway to manifest to you. It hadn't always had a time. It always hadn't been able to manifest to you because you hadn't, you hadn't had a breakthrough yet. Breakthrough is the thing showing up. Breakthrough is when you believe God 100%. 
When you, the Bible says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. When you start to believe God, that is the breakthrough that comes. It's why the Bible says in 1 John 5, 14, we read it earlier. It says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. The moment the man of God said uh, to, to, to Hannah, uh, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you your request. The Bible says her countenance changed, y'all. She became something different. I wish you would hear God say something to you and become something different. I wish you would hear the Lord speak a word to you and it would cause you to show up to different situations differently because you believe God. Understand, it's, I know I get it. It's difficult not to worry sometimes. It's difficult not to, not to hear God and still be wondering. But the Bible says when he said to go in peace, he was literally telling her about how her heart needed to change. He, he says the joy of the Lord would be her strength. The, the, what, what's the joy? That what I've been asking God for is, 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 is here. It's coming because, because breakthrough just happened. And once breakthrough happens, manifestation always follows it. Understand something else. I got I to gotta, I gotta teach you this. When she came to Shiloh, if you read, if you go back and read First Samuel nine, you'll see this that that when she came to Shiloh, don't miss this. She came with a gift. The reason she came to Shiloh because it was her annual time of giving. She didn't show up to God empty-handed. Ah, I know some of y'all don't want to hear this part. You just want to hear the part about how Hannah was crying, how Hannah was whining. And how Hannah got our prayers answered. But the Bible tells us that before she ever went into the temple and before she ever started to beseech the Lord, she came with a gift. She came with an offering. She came with a sacrifice. She didn't come empty handed. She didn't show up uh, just looking for a handout. The Bible says she understood how to approach the God of Israel. And, I, and, and the reason I'm telling you that is because it's important because people want to make people feel bad when they teach or when they say something about, about, about giving God what's precious to you. Understand, you can't buy a miracle. You can't buy a blessing. God doesn't need it. But what it does is it shows that what you're believing and asking for has value because you're meeting it with value. You understand? You're meeting it with value. And so she didn't show up empty handed. And so the Lord began uh, a couple weeks ago to say something to me. And I think my IG just went out. So y'all hold on one second. Let me do this and get them back on here. Praise the Lord. Let's see. All right. They're coming back. The Lord began uh, to say something to me a, a couple weeks ago. And, 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 it's, and, and he was talking about how you have to become fully persuaded in order for your countenance to change. And, and I want to share with you because I shared with Pastor Sean and uh, it was good to me. Maybe it'll be good to you. But here's what he said. And I want you to hear me. So if you're doing something else, perk up for just a second. He told me four things personally that I needed to watch in my life in order to make sure that when I hear the word of God, that I do not allow my countenance to stay the same before I heard the word. And here's what he said. He told me these four things that I needed to do in order to be sure that I can keep my countenance right before him doing what's to come. Because what the Lord said to me was, as he said this, he says, we were talking and I was, I was dozing off to sleep and just having a conversation with the Lord. And he said, I want you to know that what I did in the first six months of this year, he says, I want to far exceed it uh, in, in the following six months. 
He says, I want to do, I want to do two times greater for you than what I did in the first part of the year. He said, but the news is going to come. It's going to be such, uh, such bad news that it's going to shake the foundation of those who, who, who don't believe. Uh, and so he, and I know whenever the Lord says something like that, it's because he wants me to, to set roots, right? So here are the four things he says he told me to do. He said, number one, he said in the next, in this, in this next season to come, here's what I need you to do. Number one, I need you to tame your tongue. I need you to tame your tongue. He said, I need you to be careful about the things that come out of your mouth. He says, I know there are going to be some crazy things that are going to happen. There are going to be things that are going to be on the news. He says, and you're going to have an opportunity to speak out of your mouth and agree with those things. He says, but Edwin, I need you to tame your tongue. Watch what you say. Watch your confessions. Make sure they align up with what I have already spoken to you. I don't care how bad it gets. Don't stop saying it is harvest time. Don't start. Don't stop saying it's harvest time. He says, so number one, you got to tame your tongue. Number two, he says, you got to tame your thoughts. He says, you got to tame your thoughts. He says, you got to be careful about what you're thinking. You know, we've used this word many times before. He says, you got to be metacognitive. You got to think about your thinking. Just be, if I told you it's harvest time and the jobs report comes out and the jobs report says that jobs have shrunk, unemployment is going up. He says, you got to watch what you think. Don't start thinking shortage. Don't start thinking lack. Don't start agreeing with their economy. He said, my economy in heaven is flourishing. We've never had a dip. It's, we've never had a down market in heaven. Everything you need is in heaven and all is well, but you've got to tame your thoughts. He said, so you got to tame your tongue. You got to tame your thoughts. And then he said this to me, number three, he says, you got to tame your team. Watch this T-E-A-M. You got to tame your team. Well, what, Lord, what do you mean I got to tame my team? He says, you got to tame your team. The people you hang around, you can't just let them say any old kind of thing. You can't let them just be keeping it real and, and just joking. He says, he said, this is a time in which you got to watch every seed that's coming out of your mouth. He says, you got to tame your thoughts. You got to tame your tongue and you got to tame your team. You got to be careful about who you hanging around. You got to be careful about what they're saying, because even though you're not saying it, he said to me, it will get in your ground and it will cause weeds to be produced in your thinking, which is why I'm telling you, you got to watch your thoughts, because whatever you're thinking will end up being what you're saying, which is why I'm telling you, you got to watch your tongue. He said, so you got to watch your thoughts, you got to watch your tongue, and you got to watch your team. And then number four, the fourth thing he said I need to do is tame my temperament. He said, you got to tame your temperament. He said, you don't have time to be sad. You don't have time to be depressed. You don't have time to, to be talking about, oh, I can't travel. Oh, I can't go nowhere. He really got on to me about that. He said, you got to tame your temperament. He said, how do you know that I, I, I don't have you sequestered? 
He said, you think they got you sequestered. They think you think they got you quarantined. He said, I got you quarantined as a time for this. So you can get in your word. So you can study. So you can tame your thoughts. So you can tame your tongue. So you can tame your team. So that you can tame your temperament. He said, these four things are necessary in order for you to prevail in the next five months. I want you to hear me as your man of God. I'm telling you, you're going to watch and you're going to see that I'm telling you the truth. Those are four areas, not just for me, but for all of us that the enemy is going to try to attack. And you got to be prepared on this day going forward that you're going to be a person who's going to be mindful to tame your tongue, to tame your thoughts, to tame your team, and to tame your temperament. And when I say tame your team, some of your team going to get mad at you. Yeah, because they're going to say some stuff and you're going to have to say, well, I don't believe that. You're going to say, well, that ain't how I feel. That ain't, how I, that ain't what the Lord told me. I trust God. I believe God. And they're going to say, well, I'm just trying to keep it real. You're going to say, yeah, but I don't keep it real. I keep it God. And they're going to think you're arrogant. They're going to think you're too spiritual. And they're going to get upset. But you're going to have to tame your team, even if that means putting some of them on the sideline for a little bit. Ain't but five people can start in the basketball game at a time. Can't but 11 men be on, on, on offense, uh, on football at the same time. You're going to have to put some folk on the bench until you tame them or teach them that this ain't the season to be keeping it real. This is your season to keep it God. Amen. Listen, and so two weeks ago, I gave you these nine principles. I'm not going to revisit all these nine principles, uh, uh, but I do want to talk about the difference in a principle and a law because I want to give you these seven laws. So when I talked about these principles, here's what a principle is. A principle is simply a fundamental truth. It's a fundamental truth or a proposition that serves as a foundation for a system of belief or for a specific chain of reasoning, okay? So when I gave you these nine principles, I gave you the nine principles so that I could help you understand uh, what harvesting uh, looks like or how harvesting is governed. What, what is our system of belief about harvesting? But today I want to talk to you about these laws. Now, what's a law? A law is a rule defining correct procedures or behaviors. I want to give you some, some procedures or behaviors about how do you become both a sower and a reaper because you need to be a sower and a reaper, not just a sower, not just a reaper, but you need to be both. And so uh, what, I, what I don't have time to review uh, all nine of these fundamental truths. I will just mention them real quick, just as a reminder. Number one, we said everything starts with the seed. Number two, we said nothing happens unless a seed gets planted. Number three, we said whatever I sow is what I reap. Number four, we said I always reap more than I sow. Again, these are just these are just principles. These are just fundamental understandings. These are just uh, 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 propositions or uh, foundations to establish our belief. All right. And then number five, we said I can increase my harvest. Uh, according to the seed that I plant or how much seed that I plant. Number six, we said that uh, I, I'm, I'm not only a sower uh, or I don't, I don't just, I don't just sow. I don't just reap what I sow. Sometimes I reap where I don't sow. Amen. Uh, and then number seven, we says that we often reap in a different season in the, in, in the one in which we plant which is an important principle to understand so you don't get frustrated with God when you, you, you sow a seed today and wonder why your rent ain't paid tomorrow. We, we, we often reap in a different season than the one in which uh, we sow in. And then number eight, we said to reap the harvest, we must be patient and never give up. And then number nine, we said it's always the right time. 
to sow in the kingdom. It's always the right time to sow in the kingdom. Okay, so those were our nine principles. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll put these up somewhere. I'll attach them as a file so you can have them. You can also go back and listen to last week's message. But let's talk real quick about these seven laws. These seven laws uh, for calling in your harvest. I'll finish up in just a moment. It won't take me long. If you need to click off, you can. You can come back and listen to this later. But I want to, I want to get this to you today. The question for many people is, Pastor, what happens after I sow? After I sow, what am I supposed to do? Is it just a waiting time for me? And the answer is no, it's not just a waiting time. Once you sow, the Bible says there is seed, time, harvest. There's seed, there's time, or seed, time, harvest. There is seed, time, and harvest. So it's not designed for you to just wait on God. There are some things that you are supposed to be doing. And I believe because many people don't understand that, that is why they get frustrated after they sow, but before they ever reap. And so let me give you real quick these seven laws uh, that you need for faith for your harvest. Y'all ready? Number one, I see y'all still hanging in there. Praise God. Number one, you need to sow seed for your harvest. Okay. You need to sow seed for your harvest. Don't allow people to try to talk you out of something because they use terms like prosperity gospel. All of the gospel is prosperity. The, the, the name gospel literally means too good to be true. The gospel is news that is too good to be true. It is all prosperity. But if you want to harvest, you must sow. You must sow if you want to harvest. Luke 6.38 says it like this. It says, if you give, then you will receive, that your gift will return to you in full. It will be pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men be given into your bosom or into your lap? It says, and you can determine how it comes back based on how you give it out. So, so law number one is simply this. I must sow in order to harvest. It's not a principle. It's a law. It's like the law of gravity. The law of gravity says what? If whatever goes up must come down. If I want to harvest, I must sow. Amen? And that is a very powerful truth. And don't forget it. Law number two, I must be aggressive about my reaping. I must get aggressive about my reaping. If I'm going to sow, once I sow, I can't sow and forget it. I must become aggressive about my reaping. Pastor Edwin, what does that mean? Matthew 11 and 12 says it like this in the Amplified. It says, and from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault and violent men seize it by force. They, as a precious prize, a share in the heavenly kingdom is sought, I love this, with most errant zeal and intense exertion. In other words, if I want harvest, I got to be aggressive about my harvest. How am I aggressive about my harvest? Because when I'm aggressive about my harvest, I don't sow it and forget it. A farmer who sows a seed, who's aggressive about the harvest he's going to receive, is out there taking care of the seed. Well, how do we take care of something spiritual? Well, we pray over it. We make confessions over it. We praise over it. We don't forget it. We become aggressive about it. 
You know, if you apply for a job and you really want the job and you after your interview, you're going to be aggressive about it. What are you going to do? You're going to send them a thank you letter for interviewing. If you don't hear back in a week, you're going to send them a follow up and say, hey, just just following up. I really appreciate hearing about the company. Uh, just wanted to let you know I'm still available. If there are other questions that you may have, I'm happy to answer any of them. If you ain't heard back in a couple of weeks, you may send them more and say, hey, I don't know if I missed your email. Don't know if you guys are still trying to decide if there was hiring freeze. Whatever you're going to do, you're going to be aggressive about it. You're not going to interview one time and then not ever reach out again. You got to be the same way when it comes to your harvest. The law of harvest says you must be aggressive about your harvest after you've sown your seed. Number three, <clears throat> don't give up on your seed. Don't give up on your seed. I remember one time I applied for a job. I had to go through seven interviews and two different performance tasks. Listen, it ended up being one of the better jobs of I, that I've ever had. But I remember about that third or fourth interview, I told my wife, I said, I'm sick of them. I, I, I ain't finna be just going through all these interviews and all these teams and all these meetings. And then they asked me to do a performance evaluation. And I want me to meet with a different team cross-functionally and all this. And I was like, you know what? I, I'm just, I, I ain't finna do this. I'm just gonna tell them I ain't interested. And she was like, if you want the job, go through the process. If you want the harvest, go through the process. If you want the harvest, go through the process. Don't give up on it because you may have to praise longer than you want it. Because you may have to pray longer than you want it. Because you may have to be consistent longer than you want it. Because you may have to demonstrate some endurance and some patience longer than you want it. It's okay. If you want the harvest, don't give up on your seed. The Bible says in Galatians 6 and 9, so let's not get tired of doing well or doing what is good. It says, and if we don't, then at just the right time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. So if you don't give up on your harvest, it'll come to pass. It may not grow as fast as you want to. Everything in life has a different germination period. It takes a woman about nine months to, to, to bring a baby to full term. It takes an elephant over two years. The elephant can't get frustrated because it doesn't have the little elephant in nine months. Everything has a different germination period. Some seeds grow in weeks. Some it takes months. But whatever you're sowing, whatever you're believing for, don't give up on it before it comes to pass. So law number three, don't give up on your seed. Law number four, you got to keep the weeds out of your harvest. You got to keep the weeds out of your harvest. Understand this. I was talking to a friend of mine. He got a new house and he was really frustrated because when they got the new house several months ago, uh, the people came by and they, they didn't sod his yard, but they put seed in his yard. And they put supposedly this good seed in his yard. And he had this beautiful grass, but he had all these weeds that was popping up in it. He had like crab grass and Johnson grass popping up in his lawn. And he's real meticulous about his lawn. And, and, and we were talking and I was saying to him, I said, you can't get frustrated that the weeds are coming in, 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 in your yard. You need, you need to go and find out what do you do to get crab grass out of your yard? What do you do to get Johnson uh, grass out of your yard? All those weeds out of your yard. I said, and then you got to do whatever is necessary to tend to your yard. And if you don't have time to do it, I said, you might have to pay somebody to do it. But if it's important for you not to have weeds in your yard, then you got to get the weeds out. 
If it's important for you not to have weeds choke out your harvest, then you got to get the weeds out. How do you get the weeds out of your garden? You tend to it. You tend to it. How do I tend to it? It means I spend time with it. I pay attention to it. So for me spiritually, when, when I have seed in the ground and I don't want weeds popping up, that means I got to spend time in my word. It means I got to spend time in praise. I got to spend some time fasting. I got to spend some time doing those things that helps me pull out the junk that's trying to get into my garden, so to speak, so that when my harvest comes, I don't have weeds trying to choke out my harvest. There's a scripture in Genesis 2 and 15. It says, and the Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden and he told him to dress it and to keep it. Now watch this. I had to go look the word up. What is, what is, because I understood what dress mean, but what did it mean to keep it, to dress it and to keep it? Well, the word keep there is actually a Hebrew word, which I can't pronounce, but if you look it up, it's a Hebrew word that means to, that means to put a hedge of thorns around something. And then once I read that, I said, oh, okay, that makes sense. The Lord puts man in the garden. He tells him to dress it and to keep it. What do you mean by keep it? Put a hedge of protection around it. So you got to put a hedge of protection around your seed. That means that when you've sown seed and the economy is saying something different, you got to have a hedge, some thorns around that so those thoughts and ideas can get into you and dilute your harvest. So rule number four says you got to keep the weeds out of your harvest. You can't allow it to choke out your harvest. You got to put a hedge of protection around it. And then rule number five, law number five, you have to water your seed. Well, most of us who are in church know what this means. You, in order to water your seed, you got to give God praise. You got to thank God for it. Not when it comes, but before it comes. You got to thank God in the good. got to thank him in the bad. The Bible says in Psalm 67, Verse five and six, it says, let the people praise thee, O God. Let the people praise thee. Then shall the earth yield her increase and God, even our own God shall bless us. You understand when you begin to water your seed, that is when you begin to see that seed begin to come up out of the ground. A hard, a, a farmer knew that is why they would pray uh, for the, for the, for the early rain and for the latter rain, because they needed that first rain to get that soil nice and wet so that all the nutrients in the ground could be sucked up into uh, the seed. And then they needed that latter rain to come because when that latter rain come, uh, it will cause that seed to break through the ground and then the manifestation of whatever was in that seed would show up. See, some of y'all, you waiting to praise God till the car shows up. You're waiting to praise God till the house shows up. You're waiting to praise God till that man shows up. You're waiting to praise God till that woman shows up. You're waiting to praise God till the job shows up. You're waiting to praise God till reconciliation is made. But the key is you begin to give some early and latter rain to your seed so that it can grow like it's supposed to. Some of you right now, I can't see you and you can't see me, but wherever you are, you ought to just pause and begin to put your hands together and clap and open your mouth and say, God, I praise you for my harvest. God, I praise you for my harvest. God, I praise you that, it's, that, that my harvest, is, 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 I, can, I, I, can see the, I can see the blade. Thank you, God. I can see the ear. Thank you, God. I can see the full ear. God, I thank you right now in Jesus' name that everything I'm believing for, I got the confidence to know is coming to pass because I obey you and I trust you. Some of you ought to be doing that right now. Why? Because 
because praise is the language of faith. Praise is the language of faith. When we are, when we give praise and we give thanksgiving to God, it's, it's our language of faith. It is acknowledging that in spite of what we can determine with our sense realm knowledge, we are thanking God based on what he said and not what we see. It's the reason that I love, 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 love Philippians 4, 6, and 7 in the Lou Living Translation so much. I love it because here's what it says. It says, don't worry about anything. It says, instead, pray about everything. It says, tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. It says, and then you will experience God's peace. What is God's peace? It's God's nothing missing, nothing broken. It says, if you'll just don't worry about stuff, instead, if you'll just pray about everything, it says, if you'll tell God what you need, because remember, that's where your confidence comes from. He says, and thank him for all that he's done, because when you pray, you receive. He says, then you're going to experience God's peace, which then exceeds anything we can understand. It says his peace, his nothing missing, his nothing broken, his shalom will guard your heart. It will put a hedge around you. It will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ waiting for your harvest to come. I am telling you this word is infallible. I'm telling you this word is designed to cause you to increase. If you will make the decision that it's important enough for you to get in this word and understand what he's saying. Law number six, law number six, once your harvest comes, you got to put the sickle to your harvest, your sickle, S-I-C-K-L-E, the sickle to your harvest. Well, pastor, what's a sickle? In the natural, a sickle is just a sharp instrument that they use for cutting crops. It kind of looks like a, a crescent moon uh, with a handle on the end of it. Uh, however, in the kingdom of God, our sickle is the word of God uh, coming out of our mouth. So, so, so when the harvest comes, it, it, it's time for us to put the word to it. Well, pastor, what does that mean? Let's look at Hebrews 4 and 12. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful, praise God. It says it is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. You've got to begin to make the kind of confession that says, you know what? It's harvest time, and I rebuke every demonic and satanic entity that would try to stop my harvest from coming to pass. You got to use God's word in order to make that happen. The Bible says in Mark 4, 29, it says, but when the grain is ripe and permits, immediately he sends forth the reapers, and they put forth the sickle because the harvest stands ready. Somebody type in the comment section, say, my harvest is ready. My harvest is ready ready, which leads us to this last law, law number seven, which I think is one of the most powerful of the seven. And you have to, it says you must command your harvest to come. You must command your harvest to come. Well, pastor, how do I command my harvest to crop, my harvest to come in? You got to cry out. Now, when I say cry out, I don't mean begging and whining and, and, and whimpering and all that. It doesn't mean looking pitiful. It means that you have to stay out of your mouth what God has already said. You have to be like Satan in the name of Jesus. I declare you release my harvest now. You let it go now. Take your hands off of everything that belongs to me now. And then you tell your angels, angels, go and get my 
harvest and bring it to me. Folks, oh, that sounds so crazy. Yeah, till it happens. Everything sounds crazy till it happens. Everything take too much until it happens. But you got to learn that you have an adversary who wants to block your harvest. And so what you have to do is use what God has given you to command your harvest to come. You say, well, pastor, how do I command angels to go get my stuff? Well, it's what the Bible says to us in Psalms 103. In Psalms 103, verse 20 and 21, which is our last scripture for today, it says, bless the Lord. Ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. In other words, the Bible says it like this. You and I have ministering angels who we can command to go and get our harvest. Why would an angel listen to us? The Bible says it like this. We have been created a little lower than Elohim himself. The Bible says we've been created a little lower than angels, but that's a wrong translation. Uh, the correct translation says we've been created a little lower than Elohim himself. So when we say what God says, angels can't differentiate between whether God said it or we said it. Oh, I know that's going to make some folk mad. I know that's going to make some religious folks mad. You mean to tell me that when I speak, I sound like God? When I say what God said, when I say what God said, the Bible says I can tell those ministry angels, go, and they go. I can tell them to possess what belongs to me and that their job is to go just as if God had told them to go himself. It's the, it's the reason why God says I have made you in the image after my own kind, after my own likeness over there in Genesis. Why? So that when we are in Christ and we speak, those angels don't make a determining factor of whether it's God speaking or us speaking. That's the kind of power you have at your disposal. Listen, I've been talking to you for the last 10 weeks. I've been talking to you about how God prospers us. I've been talking to you about how to position yourself. I've been talking to you about how to be a cheerful giver. I've been talking to you about those nine principles that govern harvesting and sowing. And I just gave you seven laws, seven actionable steps that you must do if you want to receive the harvest. I can preach this to you for another 10 weeks, but if you don't decide that loving God and trusting God and obeying God is your number one priority, all of this is just information. It's just information. It doesn't become revelation. It doesn't become knowledge. It doesn't become insight for you. But I am telling you, as, as, as Eli told Hannah, go and believe that petitions you have asked for, the God of Israel will grant those. As, a, as, a, as your man of God, as a person who you spend time listening to, as a person you have said, that's my pastor, that's my prophet, that's my apostle. I am telling you, it is harvest time. And what God wants to do in these next five months is going to far exceed what he has done in the previous seven. But he's going to need us to partner with him. And in partnering with him, there are some things we need to do. Specifically, we got to tame our tongue. We got to tame our thoughts. We got to tame our temperament. And we got to tame our team. Those four things must be done by us. God will not come down and do them. 
But if you do those four things, I am telling you, you are in position to experience one of the best years you have ever seen because 2020 is our great year of harvest. Listen, God bless y'all. I love y'all. Pastor Sean's going to come. Stay there for just a few moments. Hang in there with us. She's going to give you some quick announcements, and then she's going to go. Okay? Listen, God bless you once again. Thank all of you for joining us. Uh, if you haven't shared, if you came in late, go ahead and share this broadcast. Get this word out to as many people as you can. This is week 21. Come back next week for week 22. Pastor Sean's going to be here. I don't know what she's going to teach, but I do know it's going to be good. Why? Because she's an anointed person of God. Amen? God bless you guys. Have a great day. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Listen, how many of y'all saw Pastor Ellen teach two messages in one so he didn't have to come back next week? What in the world? But how many of you know that that was some good teaching? You literally can take that message and break that message down into two weeks worth of teaching. I guess he really was wrapping it up. My goodness. Listen. I was so tickled. I was like, he really is going to teach these two messages as one messages. And you know what? Here's what we're going to do. I will come and teach next Sunday. And then the Sunday after that, he can come back and reteach those laws. Because we don't despise repetitive teaching at Fellowship of Champions, do we guys? We love to hear the teaching that is going to transform our lives. Amen. But listen, I just want to encourage you because I want you to really grab hold of what he said. I think it's so important that you incline your ear to be able to hear when you've been given a prophetic word that's designed to change your life. And literally, he told us that there are these four things we need. What are those four things? I want to see you these four things. I think it was the most important thing that he taught. These four things that you're going to have to tame in order to walk through this season. He said, you're going to have to tame what? You're going to have to tame your thoughts. I love that. You're going to have to tame your thoughts. How many of you know how important it is for us to tame our thoughts, right? Then he said, we're going to have to take, he'll talk about me because I'm going to get them out of order. And then he says, we're going to have to tame our, I'm missing one. We're going to have to tame our thoughts. We're going to have to tame our temperament. We're going to have to tame our team, our tongue. That was the first one. We're going to have to tame our team. He's setting us up to win. You got to tame your tongue. You cannot be saying everything in this season. Literally, while we were watching the broadcast, I got a message from somebody who wanted me to know that she just got the biggest job offer of her life in the middle of a pandemic. I need you to know there are still jobs. There are still opportunities. Businesses are still increasing. People are still buying houses. People are still getting cars. People are still getting out of debt. I heard a debt-free testimony on Friday. You need to know that. But let me tell you, if you're running around here saying, I don't know how I'm going to make it. COVID ruined 2020. This is not my time to win. I just need 2021 to hurry up and come. You know, sharing all of those memes that talk how bad it is. Your tongue is going to cancel what you're praying for. And then you got to set up your thoughts. You can't just be thinking about everything and running everywhere and entertaining everything, right? And then you got to deal with your temperament, which will be a great plug for you to take soul shift. You need to learn how to mind your, manage your thinking, feeling cycle. And then you got to manage your team. Listen here. 
There is nothing wrong with saying, if you want to do life with me, you got to walk by faith. I love you. You cool. We did hopscotch together. You my favorite sister. But if you want to do life with me, you have to walk by faith because I am expecting God to keep his word because he's not a man that he should lie. I think that, that was the most important thing of the message that if you don't do those teeming, those taming things, then you're going to have all of these prophetic words, all of these promises, all of these great exceeding promises, and you're going to live like you have nothing. You're going to live like you don't know him. You're going to live full of stress. You're going to live full of frustration. You're going to live full of poverty, but that is not your inheritance. We walk by faith. So it's your opportunity to give. They've got it pinned there that you can give. How many of you know something supernatural happens when we give? We partner with the supernatural system of increase. I want y'all to do something for me though. This week, I want you to invite someone to come to prayer, invite someone to come to midweek service, and I want you to invite someone to know the Lord. I've been thinking about this for several weeks and I've been intentional about inviting people to know the Lord. And I want to ask you, are you saved? I know you may have gone, been going to church. I know you may have watched this whole broadcast, but I need to ask you, are you saved? Have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior? I don't just mean you think God is cool. I don't just mean you think Jesus is a good man and a prophet. I mean, have you accepted that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? If you have not, Today is the day to receive Jesus. You can send us a message in inbox and one of our prayer team will reach out to you. We want to lead you to the prayer of salvation, but it's a really simple thing. You just got to believe and then you got to, the Bible says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And the great thing, you know what I love most about God is that he will take you just as you are, but he won't leave you the way he found you. He will take you with your brokenness, with your addictions, with your bad attitudes. He will take you with rejection. He will take you full of sin. He will take you bound in every form, but he loves you too much to leave you how you are. And aren't you glad for a God who will not leave you the way that you are? So I want to invite you, if you have not, to give your life to the Lord. And I want to invite those of you who know you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. You say, yes, Pastor Sean, I'm saved. But the truth of it is, I ain't been living like I'm saved. And I, I don't mean I'm talking about, I'm not talking about when you go to church and in the group, you know how to say blessed and highly favored. But if I'm honest, Pastor Sean, when I get by myself, when I get with my certain group of friends, when I'm at my job, people may not know that I actually know the Lord. And so I need to turn my life. I need to give my life back to the Lord because I got saved, but then I took my life back. And if you want to do that, you can do that this morning. So as people are putting up the giving things, I want to just pray the prayer of salvation and the prayer of returning home with anybody who needs it. And let me tell you what we're going to go into immediately. If you say the moment you get saved, you ought to also get filled with the Holy Ghost. People say, do you need the Holy Ghost to go to heaven? There's a meme that says, I need the Holy Ghost to go to Walmart. How many of you know it's true? You need the Holy Spirit. Why? Because his job is to lead you into all truth. His job is to bring you into alignment with God. Amen. 
So we just want to pray. And if you're already saved, I want you praying. I want you praying that whoever watches this broadcast that doesn't know him, they will be compelled to come to him. I want you praying that these broadcasts will come up on the timeline and it will pull people in. And those people will want, they will want to say, I want to know Jesus. I want you praying for opportunities for God to use you to lead somebody into the family of God. Because the Bible says, he who wins souls is wise. Amen. So father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you, that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I thank you that he lived a perfect life, was born of a virgin, did and performed miracles, died on the cross, took my sins, went to hell, took back the keys, got up with all power in his hand and made salvation available to me. I received the finished work of Jesus and I declare that I am saved. Take my life and do something with it. And I just felt that by the Holy Spirit. Even some of you who are saved, you've never said to the Lord, take my life and do something with it. I double dog dare you today to say, take my life and do something with it. Shake it, turn it, rattle it, roll it, but take my life and do something with it. Amen. So you can give by push pay. You can give by givelify. You can give by tech. Um, um, Tatherly. And if you want, if you made a decision to give your life to the Lord today, let us know. We want to know that. Want to encourage you. You can come to prayer on Tuesday night at 8 p.m. right here. You can come to Bible study on 8.30 on Wednesday right here on Sunday morning. Kristen is going to be leading us in praise and worship at Kristen Valley Worships. And then right back here on Sunday morning for service. And then the last announcement I want to make. Once a month, Pastor Edwin and I, we do something called Marriage Essentials. And one of the things that we are trying to build is that it is normal for people to work on their marriages and that it is normal for people to work on marriage before they get married. The cost for that class is $25. I want to encourage you to begin to invest in your marriage. I, I don't care how good you think your marriage is, you can learn something that make it better. If you want to get married, you ought to be there. If you if you dating somebody trying to figure out if they're it, you ought to be there. I want to encourage you to begin to invest in your growth. You want to harvest a good marriage? Sow into a good marriage. Amen. Sow into learning the tools because contrary to popular belief, love by itself is not enough. Knowing Jesus by itself is not enough. You need the tools to be successfully married. And so if you're believing God to be married, if you're dating somebody trying to figure out if they're the one, if you're married and you're raggedy, if you're married and thinking about divorce, or if you're married and it's an eight and you're trying to make it a nine or it's a 10 and you're trying to make it a 20, come to marriage essentials. Come to marriage essentials. This is the kind of thing that Pastor Edwin is talking about that you sow into your harvest. So we love you guys. We want you to have an amazing week. We want to encourage you to come to Marriage Essentials. Take advantage of prayer. Take advantage of um, Wednesday night refresh. Ralph, Pastor Ralph has been teaching, teaching. Man, that dude is teaching. Take advantage of worship. Be a worshiper and obey God. Turn and tell your neighbor, live like you're saved. Can you turn and tell your Facebook neighbor and your Instagram neighbor as we wrap up Live like you are saved. Live like your God is your God. Growing up, my grandmother used to say, don't forget who you are. Guys, stop forgetting who you are. Live like you know him. 
All right, we love you. We decree and declare blessings over your week this week. We declare harvest over your life this week. We declare the release of everything that is owed to you this week. We declare there is nothing missing and nothing broken in your life. We declare that you are free from every attack of the enemy. We declare that the favor of the Lord goes before you like a shield. We declare that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. We declare that you walk in divine health and you are healed of the Lord. We declare that the favor of God goes before you like a shield and he raises up people to do for you that you cannot do for yourself and we declare that you have seed and harvest seed and bread this week in jesus name we love you we'll see you back here next week i know we're at the end but share this with somebody and minister salvation minister jesus to somebody this week because it's a whole big old world and it needs to be saved we love you we'll see you real soon amen